What's going on, guys? Welcome to I Do Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you are a new listener or if you have listened to all of our episodes, thank you so much for coming back. Yeah, thank you, guys. Make sure you subscribe in iTunes. We appreciate all those five-star reviews. And we are just hammering out interviews. I think this week we just finished our 10th. Sarah's traveling a little bit with uh, our daughter. She's going to go visit family in Florida. So we had to get some recorded. And it's been really fun uh, getting like a ton of information (laughs) all in a week. And, and we've been uh, sharing it with you guys. And, and today is just another great episode where we welcome Dr. Sarah Murray and Sarah has a doctorate in human sexuality. She is a sex researcher and relationship therapist with an expertise in challenging norms and assumptions about men and women's sexual desires. Yeah. And today we talk about the interesting topic of the sexual science of cuddling. Yeah. So cuddling. <laughs> Sounds fun, huh? It, yeah. was, it was a fun interview. Yeah. It was, it was super fun and interesting. And we all cuddle at some point or another, but there's some interesting research where some major names in the field, some suggest don't cuddle or keep it to a minimum in order to keep their eroticism there. If you're always touching each other, you might not, it gets kind of dull. And then others are like, no, no, it's super important. So Sarah breaks it down, talks about the disparity between those two opinions and, and gives us some direction. So Sarah and I can just figure out how do we cuddle? (laughs) We talk about cuddling positions and who's the big spoon, who's the little spoon. (laughs) No, we don't. Just kidding. We don't do that. That would be that would be a funny podcast, maybe. It would be. The science, the, the physical science of cuddling, and we'll talk angles and all that. No, you guys just cuddle however you want. But, <laughs> but there is some interesting research on the amount to cuddle, when to cuddle, cuddling after sex, cuddling before sex, the difference between men and women and how they are responsive towards sex, like getting in the mood and understanding those differences. It's all really important stuff that's going to help your relationship. So we appreciate you guys listening. Enjoy today's show for these great tips. And uh, yeah, remember to subscribe, tell your friends. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, hopefully uh, you guys can get some cuddling on this weekend. (laughs) Enjoy the show. Today's show is brought to you by our Hood River Couples Retreat. Join us in Hood River, Oregon this summer, July 28th through August 2nd. The retreat is built to be the ultimate vacation for couples looking to have fun, try new things, and build a stronger relationship in paradise. We'll be doing activities like waterfall hikes, rafting, wine tastings, and so much more. For more information, visit our website at idopodcast.com slash hoodriver. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Sarah, we've given our listeners a little overview, told them about your work as a sex researcher and relationship therapist. Why don't you tell us why you enjoy doing the work you do? Oh my goodness. Um, 
I, I feel like I'm so lucky to do what I do. Um, I get to talk to people both in therapy and um, through my research about what I think is one of the most exciting topics <laughs> that we can talk to people about, which is their intimate relationships. And of course, sometimes that includes sex directly, but it also includes all the other romantic pieces that make, um, you know, partnerships thrive and grow. So um, I feel like it's a uh, I mean, almost a, a no-brainer. Most people are uh, pretty excited to to talk about those topics and want to know more about improving their romantic and intimate lives. So, um, yeah, to me, I just thought I can make a profession out of that. Perfect. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, today we are going to help a lot of people, and we're definitely going to talk about sex, but we're going to talk about another fun I guess it could be a sexual part of the relationship, and that's what we're going to get into, but that is cuddling. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. we live in a warm climate most of the time. Right now, we're in Costa Rica before Florida and San Diego, so we don't, when I picture cuddling, it's like sweaters and sweatshirts, and it's cold, and you're on the couch. <laughs> and that's like, that's ideal cuddling climate, but you can still cuddle in warm places. But anyways, uh, let's dive right in and let's talk about what cuddling can do and the different opinions on it as it relates to intimate relationships. And uh, we'll, we'll just kind of start there. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, again, like cuddling just generally for most people feels good. I mean, you get to touch someone that you care about and, you know, there can be completely non-sexual types of cuddling. I mean, in fact, some people may think of cuddling, think more um, in a platonic sense, you know, maybe a parent and, ch- and child cuddle. Um, but for me, I'm so fascinated about cuddling in intimate relationships. So between, um, you know, romantic partners and it's, it's kind of, funny because you think cuddling is so basic and straightforward and yet some of the biggest um, leaders in the field of sex and intimacy and relationships actually have some different ideas about how cuddling impacts your sex and intimate life. Um, so for example, um, there's Esther Perel, who is, you know, I'm just obsessed with her and her ideas. She's fantastic. Um, but she suggests that when you, um, cuddle with a romantic partner, um, that it can actually feel like too close, too familiar. Um, you know, I think it's kind of that idea that maybe you're like what you're saying before, Chase, you're wearing sweaters or sweatpants and you're kind of maybe about to fall asleep. It's not necessarily erotic. And so it might, um, her suggestion is in some cases, it might actually work against sexual desire or sexual interest. Um, On the other hand, John Gottman, who is another huge name in the field, um, has done decades of research on couples' um, intimate and sex lives, um, has suggested that cuddling is actually one of the most important things um, that couples who have great sex life report doing. So he's got a list of 13 things that they report doing, including saying, you know, I love you and cuddling is on that list. So he suggests that cuddling is just a way that we express affection. It keeps us closer and connected. And it's that type of behavior that's actually going to promote better and closer or satisfying sex. It's so interesting to me that both of these um, both of these leaders and therapists are you know so well known and, and have such great information on relationship research yet they're so different so I mean why do you think that they have those kind of polar opposite views on cuddling I know it's a great question and something that kind of like I said it, it kind of surprises you like how there could be these two completely different ideas about how cuddling impacts sex. Um, I guess my insight into that is, you know, there's no one size fits all. Um, for some people, they may find that cuddling kind of, 
you know, makes them feel a little more close to their partner. It helps them, you know, experience that touch. It releases that oxytocin. They just kind of maybe start like letting those sensations build and grow. Whereas for other people, it might just make them feel kind of sleepy. <laughs> so there's not like a right or wrong here. Um, I think it's actually maybe helpful to have these two different perspectives. Maybe some people benefit from thinking, oh, if I want some more passion, maybe toning down the cuddling might help. And for other people, you know, toning up the cuddling might help. So um, I think it's important to remember, you know, there's so much diversity for people and relationships and couples. Um, so I don't think there's a right or wrong. It's just kind of figuring out maybe what works better for you. Yeah, there's definitely not a one size fits all. And yeah, it's like when you are away from your partner, maybe you take a, a week work trip and you come back, like you're probably going to feel a little bit more desire, a little bit more erotic with your partner because you, you haven't had them. So it, to me, that's more of like Esther Perel's like, yeah, just if you're over, if you're all over each other all the time, it might be harder to get that, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. So I think, like you no. said, no one size fits all. And it's probably good to, to experiment. Like if you never touch your partner, it could feel a little cold and, and, and you could not feel love. So, so go, go a little bit one way, go a little bit the other and, and see, uh, see how it feels. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's one of the really fun things about being in a longer term relationship is um, you get time to experiment, you know, see if, if you're looking to kind of play around with this, you know, see what it feels like. Go a week with saying, you know what, let's not hug, let's not cuddle, let's just kind of see what happens. Do we want to, you know, jump each other at the end of that week or do we actually feel kind of disconnected and adjust accordingly? It seems like uh, like a like such a simple, almost silly thing. Like we're we're sitting here talking about cuddling, but but it's it, you can apply this to a lot of areas of the relationship, and and it can be pretty profound. And and like you mentioned, like try it and and try the variations of this. Think about these little things in the relationship. It could be something else. You know, try being proactive and and doing chores for your your wife, and and that'll probably lead to a happier relationship. And it's a little seemingly uh, insignificant thing, but those are the things that add up. And, and so this is not a podcast about cuddling so much as a podcast about doing, you know, finding these, these little things and, and centered around sex from the sexual orientation. It's like, if you do more chores for your wife, she's probably going to have a little bit more desire for you in the bedroom. <laughs> so, so, you know, you can bring it back to there and, and do it for selfish reasons, but, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, well, it, you definitely know what you're talking about, Chase. And it's, it's interesting because you're like, what you're saying is these things can sound somewhat small, but what we know is they actually have a really big impact because, you know, they're really tapping into such bigger things that are happening in relationships. So just um, dovetailing off your, your comment about, you know, doing chores around the house, you know, a lot of people would say if their partner picked up and did a little more of the chores, you know, like helps with cooking, vacuuming, et cetera, you know, they, they feel seen by their partner. It's like, oh, you see how much I'm doing. You see that I'm stressed. You're paying attention. You want to help me out. Um, you want to make my life easier. I mean, those things are so much bigger than the 10 minutes it took to vacuum or whatever, depending on how many rugs you have in your house. But, you know, it, it's so much bigger than the act of vacuuming. It's kind of what it shows about you paying attention, caring, the effort that you're doing to maintain that relationship. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the little things are important. And going back to 
to cuddling, you made an interesting point in an article that you wrote is that oftentimes it can become a problem when one partner, probably usually the male, but I don't want to stereotype, but, but at least in our relationship, sometimes if there's, if there's too much cuddling, we, or, or she, a, a guy or a girl, maybe usually a guy, but can think mm-hmm. that, 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 has to always lead to sex and and mm-hmm. it doesn't and there can be that can create some conflict can you talk a little bit about that Absolutely. So, you know, what we've been talking about so far is whether cuddling leads to more satisfying sex or more passionate sex or not. Um, What I was talking about in that part of this article was, you know, there's some times where cuddling might lead to sex. So you cuddle and then you feel a little closer, maybe start kissing and then maybe start fooling around and then you have intercourse. Lovely except that we also want to make sure that sometimes we're cuddling and that's all that's happening. Um, and the reason for that is that, you know, you know, you said that maybe stereotypically it might be the, the man who starts initiating sex and, you know, that is painting with a broad stroke, but chances are that could be the dynamic. So the problem is if say he wants sex and so starts cuddling and then starts moving to kissing and fooling around, etc. But say the woman isn't in the mood for sex. Um, she may want to avoid, you know, quote unquote, leading him on, which occurs still in, you know, committed relationships. I don't want you to feel like this is going to sex. You might be more disappointed if I say no a little later on. I should probably just nip it in the bud now. Then you might say, no, I don't even want to cuddle with you. I don't even want to touch because I don't want you to think that this is going to sex. Um, And so what's so unfortunate about that is that, you know, Again, I'm just going to use this male-female dynamic that we've been talking about. So the woman in that situation may still really want to cuddle. She might want to hold hands. She might want to sit close on the couch and watch a movie. She just doesn't want to have sex. But she says no because she doesn't want to give him the wrong idea, you know, and and trying to kind of do him the favor, say, or just kind of, like I said, nip it in the bud. Um, And so the couple loses out on that chance to promote that intimacy, to have those close moments. Um, And so we want to, what that comes down to is it's fine for cuddling to lead to, to sex. It's just, we also want to bolster up our sex life by promoting intimacy all around. So sometimes that means touching with no sexual agenda whatsoever. A lot of this, to me also sounds like the importance of setting expectations because if you're communicating around this issue and and like I said, I mean, this has been something, not a major issue, but Sarah and I have definitely talked about that. I might be going in like with, okay, like one thing's going to lead to another and, and, Mm -hmm. and sometimes it will, but sometimes it, it won't. And I, have a tendency and I imagine other people in the same situation to feel rejected. And, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, what's, what's wrong? Like, and Sarah, Sarah or your partner just might be tired or they had a long day. And, and so maybe setting expectations and, and like literally having a conversation like, Hey, I really want to cuddle with you on the couch, but I'm just, I'm tired. So maybe let's, let's, and then put it on the calendar. So to say, you know, like say, Hey, tomorrow morning or tomorrow, whenever, but then it's like, Mm -hmm. those expectations are set ahead of time. And you have to, you don't have to shut down your partner. Um, but I think that could, is that something that could be valuable? 
Absolutely. And I mean, you're touching on the importance of communication. Um, so it, when I was just speaking before, you know, what I've seen, unfortunately, with, um, you know, some couples in therapy who are struggling with the intimate parts of their life is, you know, they'll be like, oh, I just tried to hold her hand. I just tried to cut on the couch and she turned me down. She won't even let me touch her anymore. And it's because of that dynamic I just described. She'll explain, well, every time he touches me, he just wants it to be sex. So I'm saying no to sex, not the touching. As soon as you start talking about this, saying, this is what I'm in the mood for. This is what I'm not in the mood for. Today's been a long day. I would love to just sit and hold hands or, you know, sit close and cuddle and watch a movie tonight. I don't feel like sex, you know, but sex is an important part of satisfying, you know, relationships. So, you know, maybe this weekend after we kind of get through this tough week would be a better time. So it's all about just being open and honest, um, making sure that we're prioritizing both pieces and getting on the same page as our partner. So they know what we're saying yes and no to, um, instead of having someone being, you know, misunderstanding what's happening or, or feeling rejected when the other person, like you said, might maybe is just tired or, you know, would be happy holding your hand, just doesn't want to go any further than that. And in the article, you talk a little bit about um, how women's sexual desires are often responsive in nature and how that can mm-hmm. kind of affect the dynamic um, between um, a male and a female. Do you mind mm-hmm. going over a little bit about like what a responsive sexual desire is for our listeners so they can kind of understand? Maybe, maybe that'll help them understand uh, a little bit more about their sex drive. Absolutely. Um, so again, whenever we talk about men and women, I mean, we, we want to avoid painting with too broad of a stroke, but I'll just speak in kind of, um, you know, in more general terms here. Um, more often, men describe having more of a spontaneous sexual interest. So they can just kind of be driving in the car and all of a sudden a song comes on and they might just say they report that they're just suddenly thinking about sex or they're in the mood. Um, or if they're, you know, some men that I've interviewed will describe if their female partner just kind of reaches over and touches them, suddenly they'll find themselves kind of like interested or at least open to the idea of sex. Of course, that doesn't apply to all men in all situations by any stretch, but generally speaking, men will kind of describe their sexual desire a little more in that camp. Um, women, on the other hand, are found to, on average, have sexual desire that's a little more um, responsive in nature. So they don't necessarily describe um, having sudden interest in sex or if their male partner comes over and kind of, you know, starts unbuttoning their shirt while they're cooking that they just are like overcome with lust. Instead, they'll say, where is that coming from? What's going on here? It's not that I'm not interested in sex, but I need a little more time to kind of let my body and my mind warm up to that idea. Um, So, you know, they might not feel desire the second their partner initiates sex or suggests it. But again, this is where the cuddling and touch comes in. If you kind of are open to maybe a kiss, holding hands, lying on the couch together, um, some women report that it gives them a chance to kind of transition out of whatever headspace they were in before, whether that's taking care of kids, working, running around, doing errands. And it lets them kind of, you know, shift into more of a romantic headspace and it lets that desire kind of slowly build. Um, Again, it's not a mathematical equation, um, but women more often than not will describe that, you know, those kind of activities just let their desire build. It's not spontaneous. That's where it comes in as more responsive in nature. Before we continue with the interview, we want to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's show is sponsored by Grove Collaborative. And I got to tell you guys a little story of when our daughter was born and how I went through a bit of a purge of all all the things that I read online that are 
toxic and, and bad to have in the house. And you don't think about these things. I mean, we're definitely healthy individuals, but then you have a kid and it just takes it to another level. So got rid of all these soaps, Sarah's candles, oh, candles, uh, all, so of, sad. <laughs> all of these things that are just have toxic chemicals in them. And Grove Collaborative is the perfect thing that I wish we had back then because they only sell all natural products that don't have these chemicals in them. They make it really easy for you to transition your life from using toxic chemicals to and products to not, to being eco-friendly and non-toxic. They make it really easy for you. And they carry brands like Miss Myers, Method, 7th Generation, Tom's, Real Simple. And they also have their own Grove flagship products as well, which includes some amazing smelling natural soy candles. So I get to have all my candles back, which I'm super excited about. <laughs> and... We're also excited about saving money because you're going to save money when you're able to schedule and budget your home and personal care to be delivered right to your door. So to sign up for Grove Collaborative, head on over to grove.co, that's co, not .com, slash Chase Sarah, and that's Sarah with an H, and you'll receive a Miss Myers gift set for free when you sign up. You do have to spend $20 to get the gift set, but it will be super easy for you to do that with all the choices that they have on their website. So again, go to grove.co forward slash Chase Sarah to claim your special offer today. Today's episode is sponsored by FabFitFun. If you haven't heard of FabFitFun, it's a seasonal subscription box with full size, I repeat, full size beauty, fashion, fitness, and lifestyle products. The box retails for $49.99, but it always has a value of over $200. I haven't received my summer box yet because it's not yet revealed but I am dying to get it. And we're actually going back to Florida in a couple weeks and it'll be just in time to get my box. And I cannot wait to share the items with you guys. In last season's box, just to give you an idea, they had products uh, like Free People Eye Mask, beauty and skincare products from Kate Somerville and Tarte, a clutch by Rachel Pathy, and a ceramic mug by Aisha Curry and so much more. I spent like an hour on YouTube looking at all the reveal videos and just because I'm so excited to get my box. So if you want to get your summer box, go to fabfitfun.com and use the promo code I do and you'll get $10 off your box, only making it $39.99. Again, that's fabfitfun.com and use the promo code I do to get $10 off. I think we've laid some good groundwork and in, in Definitely being, I, I guess, PC and, and saying men and women are, are, it's not every time, but we are different. And men produce a lot more testosterone, women, estrogen, and, and, and acknowledging that and, and being open to the fact that, yeah, Women, in, for the most part, are going to have a responsive sex drive, but we don't even need to generalize. Ask what your partner likes, you know, like we can talk exactly, about men and women, exactly. but we can just be like, you know, to the listeners out there, it's like, 
all right, you're, you're a guy listening. Your wife might not have a responsive sex drive and, and it's more spontaneous. But the point is, is to communicate that on, on each side of the relationship and then navigate forward from that perspective. I think, and, and, you know, as, as a guy, it's good for me to be like, well, Sarah is not in the mood because she's, doesn't get in the mood like I do. Like I'm definitely spontaneous and Sarah, I think would say she's mm-hmm. responsive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so for me, it's like easy, let's go. Like, and, and, right. and sometimes it can be like, I, like I mentioned earlier, like feeling rejected or like, well, what do you mean? Like, let's go. The, the baby's asleep. Like we don't, you know, we don't have any time mm-hmm. and, and it's just a much different perspective. So I think, from from the perspective of a partner who is different from the other, which most of us are going to be, it's just if you can have some empathy and, and not put that pressure, even though you might not be ready to go or maybe you are more responsive and just navigate forward, get on the same page and, and do things like set it, set a future It doesn't even, maybe it's later, like in a few hours and say, Hey, I I really, I really want to, to be intimate with you, but uh, I'm just really tired right now. How about tomorrow morning? And then it's like, it's like a vacation. You look forward to the vacation and that gets you through the work days, right? So you put that on the calendar and and now you're going to have like this building desire and it can even be like a, a thing that increases the, uh, the eroticism in your relationship. Uh, absolutely. And it's, um, it's interesting that you kind of spoke about that rejection piece. Um, you know, I've spent a lot of my, uh, research years interviewing men about how they experience sexual desire. And this rejection, um, part is something that comes up for a lot of men. And because traditionally in heterosexual relationships, men are the ones who are initiating sex more often. And so the women are, you know, more likely to be what we call like the gatekeeper who says yes or no. And so it is the man who more often than not is experiencing rejection. They reach out, they say, hey, are you in the mood, whether that's verbally or through nonverbal cues. Um, and the woman says no, either verbally or through nonverbal cues. So either no, get out of here or not right now or, you know, roll her eyes. Like there can be some kind of harsh ways that we say no to our partner. Um, and I've worked with a lot of women who actually feel a lot of guilt around saying no, like, oh my gosh, I'm saying it again, or they feel frustrated, like he should know I'm not in the mood right now. Um, but when I've kind of gone into that next layer with men about the experience of rejection and what it feels like for them and how to kind of mitigate how harsh rejection can feel, um, you know, you're kind of hitting the nail on the head in terms of what the themes that have emerged in my research, which is, you know, it's okay to say no, like you have to expect that your partner's not always going to be in the mood for sex when you are, that's just a reality, but kind of containing it with, you know, here's the reason I'm not in the mood right now. You know, it's been a really long day. I'm just so distracted. This is on my mind. Um, you know, I'm just so hungry right now. I need a meal. Whatever the reason is, is fine. But kind of sharing that with your partner and then kind of, like you said, keeping it contained. Not now, but maybe we can try again in a couple hours, maybe tomorrow, maybe on the weekend. Um, instead of just that flat out no and the other person's left thinking like, what's going on? What's happened? Um, and it can be kind of, you know, taking that person to take it quite personally. Definitely having an explanation will will help mitigate that feeling of rejection. Are there any other exercises that the the guy could do in that situation to to get over that feeling? To kind of, to get over the rejection? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's a that's a tricky um, question because I think again it probably you know differs so much on the person and so much on the on the situation. But you know, there's some relationships like I you know as a relationship therapist, you know, I see couples who are you know, on the verge of deciding whether this, you know, relationship is going to work for them anymore to couples who are, you know, just kind of looking for a tune-up. So it, it really depends. Sometimes the rejection has been going on for years and it's really speaking to something much bigger in the relationship. Um, and so there's kind of different answers depending on on what's going on. But, you know, if we're talking about a relationship that's just going through its natural ebbs and flows and, you know, there's times where your partner wants sex and times where you do and they don't and, you know, you're just getting those no's every now and then, I think as much as possible, I think it's worth just kind of asking your partner again. I, like, I'm a big, you know, fan of this communication. Like, is there something going on? Am I, you know, initiating a way that you like? Did I do something? Are you okay? There are, I mean, it's only a slight exaggeration to say millions of reasons that someone could say no to sex. Um, you know, whether that's because they're feeling sick, tired, stressed, distracted, um, they're not feeling close and connected to the partner. Um, you know, there's so many reasons that we can say no. And so I think it was really helpful to to kind of ask, like, what is going on? You've said no a few times maybe are we kind of like off our rhythm? Is there something going on with you? Can I be helpful? And, um, you know, just kind of full circling back to that vacuuming comment that we talked about a little before, you know, sometimes it might just be instead of initiating sex, you know, Hey, can I help out around the house? Would that help you out? Would that help you get a little bit more in the mood next time? Um, so yeah, a, a great question, but it comes with a pretty complicated answer depending on your situation. Yeah, absolutely. But like you said, it's just about communicating with your partner and finding what works for the two of you because it's not cookie cutter. It's not going to work for uh, the same thing that works for Chase and I. It might not work for somebody else. So it's just about communicating. And um, absolutely, we've talked a lot about cuddling prior to sex. And in the article, you talk about cuddling after sex and how mm-hmm. that can benefit a relationship uh, as well. So can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So like you said, I think a lot of times we think about cuddling, you know, as kind of a precursor to sex or kind of something that exists entirely separate, like those times where you're just cuddling and watching a movie and then you go to bed. But it's interesting, um, some researchers in Canada have recently looked at this idea of what happens after sex. So, um, you know, we, sometimes we kind of think of sex as a main event and then we just stop thinking about it. You know, you roll over or you have a shower or you, I don't know, make yourself a sandwich. I don't know, whatever it is. Um, but it's this interesting, um, you know, pocket of research into what happens right after sex. And so what the researchers found is that couples who reported um, cuddling after sex, holding hands, kissing, spooning, kind of staying in bed or wherever you're having sex, maybe on the couch, um, and just kind of staying in each other's arms after they had sex actually reported more satisfying sex lives. Um, And so that's this interesting consideration is what are we doing after we have sex? Um, You know, sometimes we are, like I said, just kind of rolling over and going to sleep. Sometimes, you know, we are getting up and having a shower. Sometimes it's a quick and you just have to kind of run off and do the next thing. But if we're actually making a conscious effort to have a more satisfying, close, intimate relationship with our partner, it's worth considering, like, are we leaning into each other even after the main event is over? Do we just want to kind of hold each other and stare into their eyes or, um, you know, even continue to make out even after, you know, 
one or both partners that has orgasmed or maybe not orgasmed, but after the sex is done, are we continuing to stay close and connected physically? So, Sarah, as we mentioned in the pre-show, you have a doctorate in human sexuality and you're a sex researcher. So I want to kind of know if there are any things that that Sarah and I and our and our listeners might be surprised by that that you found based on just human sexuality that are that are kind of norms that are widely accepted that are just like not true and that that by debunking them or maybe you found it in your research uh it can open up uh our eyes to to our sexual relationships in a way that we didn't see them before um yeah great question and depending um on the day a different study might come to mind but you know i'm i'm here talking about um you know what i know best which is the research that i've um you know done myself so i can tell you probably what i would find the most I'm not sure. It's hard for me to say surprising because I'm so in it now. To me, I'm just like, yes, this is just the way it is. But for your for your listeners, um, they may um, benefit, I think, from knowing this other side of men and sex. So I've been researching a lot about men's experience of sexual desire, particularly in long-term relationships. And even though we talked about before, you know, there are more likely men's desire spontaneous, sure. More likely are men initiating sex, yes. Um, but for my research, I'm finding more and more that men are opening up about these pressures to um, behave in certain ways that kind of fall under this more masculine idea of, of sex, this idea that they always need to be in the mood for sexual um, activity, that, you know, it wouldn't be right for them to say no, um, you know, because I always want sex. So if my female partner initiates, I should say yes all the time. And what I'm finding more and more is men are opening up about these times where it's like, well, I don't always want sex. And actually, if I'm not feeling emotionally connected to my female partner, you know, it doesn't matter if she initiates sex. Like, I don't really want to have sex with her because it is about that closeness and connection. Um, And so what I'm finding is just really interesting, these nuances about men's descriptions of you know, it's not anytime, anywhere necessarily. Um, it's just a lot more complex than that and kind of having space to talk about what that looks like. That's interesting. And we're definitely complex creatures. And I wonder, I know this is, is it an ongoing research that you're doing? It is. Yeah. Yes. I'm, so, uh, I've got a study going on right now. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how much, and I'm sure you, you're asking, but like, We've had a past guest on and, and we were talking about men's lack of desire and, and part of that attribution. And again, there's a wide variety, but being uh, pornography and, and the ease of uh, access to it and, and masturbation. So if a guy is watching porn and, and then s- and pleasing himself all the time, then probably not going to have the sexual desire as much. So I, I imagine that could be coming into this but but that's what that's your job you're you're the the researcher here <laughs> <laughs> um well it's certainly an interesting um you know part of of men's sex life in terms of like more openly talking about porn women watch porn too that's like a fact but it, it is an interesting you know dynamic that's happening there so i'm not sure when you were talking about a past guest they were suggesting that if men are watching pornography quote unquote, too much that it might impact their desire towards their female partner or. Yeah. I mean, but we, it, we were just actually, the, the episode was about pornography. So we were saying how okay. that, that could be a negative impact. Mm. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think that can definitely be the case for some some folks if they find themselves watching, you know, pornography. I mean, there is a refractory period where after men ejaculate that they can't have sex again. So, I mean, if you're watching pornography and 20 minutes later your female partner suggests having sex, then that's going to be you know, problematic for a lot of men in terms of being able to. Um, but, you know, the the thing that stands out to me the most is when I've talked to men about pornography use in terms of their sexual interest, almost without fail, men talk about liking porn or having a fun time watching porn from time to time um, or a lot, depending on the person. Um, but they actually more often than not will tell me that they prefer having sex with their partner. You know, I think a lot of women worry, like, how important is porn to my partner's life? How often is he watching it? Does he want um, me to look like that? Does he want to do those sexual activities with me? Um, you know, I can't speak again for all men, but in men in my research often say, you know, it's kind of this fun fantasy. It's a little bit of an escape. Sometimes it's easier. I don't have to worry about pleasing my partner. Like, there's different reasons that men are attracted to watching pornography. Um, but more often than not, I've heard men kind of describe it as like kind of completely separate or like, um, supplementary to their, um, you know, their intimate and sex life with their girlfriend or, or wife. That's interesting. And yeah, the, the main point is communicating around that, you know, if it, if one partner feels like it's a problem or, or, or their desire is not there because of that, it's, it's just addressing it and communicating around it. Just like when we started this conversation with cuddling, there is no right or wrong answer. If the guy is, if, is putting pressure on, on his partner of, uh, you know, they think that every time we cuddle, it's got to lead to sex that can become a problem. Like you said, then the other partner will retreat. And now cuddling, you, you got this like vicious cycle. So mm -hmm. the main thing is to, to open up those communication lines. Uh, cuddling, I think we can agree. It's not bad <laughs> to do, but, but we <laughs> no, can certainly bad, exactly. <laughs> experiment and, and maybe try a little less and see if that increases your eroticism and desire for each other and, and vice versa. So a lot of great stuff and we'll have to have you back on, talk more about your research, but for now let's finish up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye. Sounds great. Um, so you can find me online um, at sarahhuntermurray.com. That's my personal website. I'm on Twitter as Sex Doctor Sarah. And um, yeah, I'd love to connect and love to speak with you guys more another time. Excellent. Well, all those links will be on your show notes page on our website at idopodcast.com. And our, our listeners know to go there to check out those great resources. So again, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. For more information and the links um, from the interview today, you can head on over to our website at idopodcast.com. Click on the podcast tab and it will be the first episode there. And while you're on our website, if you are interested in learning more information about our upcoming Hood River Couples Retreat, then click on the Retreat tab and you'll be able to find all the information on the retreat. It's going to be at the end of July this summer and we look forward to it um, with you guys. It's going to be an awesome couple days in Hood River. It's amazing there. So we hope you join us. 
And if you are on our website and you're looking for some resources or some tools for your relationship, we really encourage you to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. It's a free challenge where we send you a daily email for 14 days. And in each email is a doable challenge for that day to do within your relationship. And it's going to help you become stronger, more connected, more intimate. And uh, we know that you're going to enjoy it. We've had some great feedback from all you guys who have done it. And uh, we're so happy that it has helped you in your relationship. So again, all that information is on our website at idopodcast.com. Head on over there. And thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.